Welcome to this week's episode of Latchkey Movies, the podcast where we take a critical look at the movies your kids are watching without your supervision. Today we are talking about the 1989 film Milo and Otis. Actually, what is it? The Adventures of Milo and Otis? The Adventures of Milo I and Otis. I think it's The Adventures of Milo and Otis. <laughs> My name is Sarah. I am the mom of a seven-year-old boy. And I am Briar Harvey, and I am the mom of an adult and an 11-year-old boy and a five-year-old boy. And shockingly, they all liked this movie. Really? Which is wild to yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you want to know my big confession? Okay. <laughs> I tried to watch this movie three times, and I fell asleep every time. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that explains the notes. The extent of my notes on ours is um, (laughs) five minutes in and I am so bored. I'm going to restart this and force my kid to watch it because he's obsessed with cats. That's it. That's That's all I got. I don't know, man. I I don't. I can't. I just cannot with this movie. I'm sorry. I tried. So (laughs) I really... Like, this is a pivotal movie from my childhood. Okay. I remember this one being watched a lot. Really? Yes. Okay. I remember being vaguely traumatized by the birth scenes. Okay. Which, you know, are there in all their crowning Mm -hmm. glory, because clearly it was 1989 and we still felt like we could get away with that. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, something, I don't know. There's something about this movie that either hits you or does not. (laughs) To me, it felt like watching, like, the world's most boring nature documentary. (laughs) I hated that Dudley Moore was the only voice. I hated it. It was the worst. I hated it. I felt like I was watching some, like, I don't know, like, something on PBS in 1989. So you articulated, then, why my children loved this movie. Because since we homeschool, they are forced to watch numbers of documentaries, Mm -hmm. right? More than most school-age children do. And so this, by documentary standards, is perfectly entertaining. (laughs) There's an adventure yes. we get to go places like they're sure. all into okay. it <laughs> the other thing was i couldn't like as i'm watching it i couldn't get it like i couldn't separate that this is a work of fiction and the only thing i could think about was like how did they make the cat and dog do this did they just film the cat and dog and make up the story as they went like what and and like i i don't know I hated it. (laughs) So we're going to talk about that in great length because this is all part of the great controversy over whether or not Milo and Otis is a snuff film. Okay, so then I have some questions for you. Okay. Well, first of all, the movie reminds me of Beatrix Potter, the way that she wrote her stories. I'm sure that's what they were going for. But my question is, was this movie filmed in Japan? This movie was filmed in Japan. And okay. since we're starting here, I'm going to take you all on a little adventure. 
And I'll let you be the judge, all right? I'm just going to present the facts as they are, and then y'all can make your own decisions. The year is 1989, and it's important that that is taken into consideration because media in 1989 was not like media in 2022. Although there was a lot of similarities, right? You could say whatever you wanted and then we walked it back later in the, you know, small print of the newspaper. Okay. Animal Liberation Queensland founder Jackie Kent alleged the killing of more than 20 kittens during production and added that she was disturbed by reports from Europe, that seems important since it was filmed all in Japan, which alleged that other animals had been injured, as in one case where a producer had allegedly broken a cat's paw to make it appear unsteady on its feet. This was all reported in the Sunday Mail. Are you familiar with the Sunday mm -hmm. Mail? Yeah. yeah. If you are not familiar with the Sunday Mail, I'm going to say it's like the Inquirer. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's tabloid. It's mm -hmm. a rag. Subsequent to this article being published, the Tasmanian and Victorian branches of the RSPCA also alleged abuse, putting the death count at five drowned cats, four mauled cats, two cats pecked to death, one cat swallowed whole by a snake, I'll come back to that, three drowned dogs, two mauled dogs, and one, and I'm not kidding, this is the language they used, one popsicle. Okay, so... And I think that's part of what I meant when I was saying, like, how did they make this film? Like, how did they, like, record these situations? Because these are obviously not trained animals, right? Like, it's not like when you're watching something like um, Homeward Bound, where you could tell the animals are, mm -hmm. like, acting animals. Like, they've been trained extensively, and they're, you know, you're obviously, they're responding to cues and stuff. That was pretty obviously not happening in this movie. No, and... There was, my understanding is there was direction as in the animals were exposed to specific situations, mm -hmm. but here's what that looks like in actual practice. 74 hours of footage shot over a period of four years. That is... <laughs> 400,000 feet of what? film. Like, what? how is this your, like, this the thing that you devote your life to for four years? <laughs> I just can't. I mean, they spent... So good, I'm saying make your own decisions, but do you really think we killed... 40 animals while we were also taking the time to spend four years of our lives following these animals around mm. with cameras. Because <laughs> that math does not compute to me. Mm -hmm. 
Further. <clears throat> like you think it was more animals? No, I think it was none animals. You don't think any I, animals no. died? No. You think they were just throwing cats into the river and none of them drowned? I do actually really? think <laughs> okay. that none of them drowned and that I, four years they spent on the production of this thing. So you really don't think they hurt any animals? I really don't think that really? any animals got hurt in the... I feel like I kind of believe that animals died making this movie. So, and we didn't even get... Now, the Americanized version of this film, it's important to note, has missing footage. Okay. The... What did they take out? The Adventures of Chatran. Okay. Which is the original Japanese name. Chatran is, I guess, the orange cat. Okay. Uh, featured a scene where, uh, I guess, Milo, Chatran was climbing up the cliff face okay. after going out into the river mm -hmm. and an actual sequence where he was apparently mauled by a bear. Okay. I what here's what I know. The final two pieces of evidence for you. Have you ever seen a snake eat anything? No. It takes an exceptionally long time, mm -hmm. like hours, yeah, for a snake to ingest a cat. Okay, I don't think that one in particular happened because okay. I'm ha I'm struggling with the idea that we just sat around yeah. for hours. Well, while so. The um, the claim of the injuring the cat so that it would limp, I believe that. Because how are you going to get cat to limp? So they, there is an actual trainer technique for this, and I'm not sure what it but is. I don't think these animals were trained like that, though. They didn't seem to be like, they just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I'm not saying that I necessarily think 40 cats died, but I believe that things like the cat being injured and cats drowning, those seem like happened. reasonable to me. The final thing I have for you here. The American Humane Society did in fact sign off on the film after working with several Japanese humane societies who mm -hmm. also allowed their names to be used in conjunction with the film. Mm -hmm. And their final report said that they showed no animals being injured or harmed. Okay. I still don't believe it. So. <laughs> it's like that story about Disney and the lemmings, right? Right. Where Disney does, they still do film nature documentaries. And in one of them, there's like this notorious video of a bunch of lemmings following another lemming off of a cliff and they all jump off. And so like for years, everybody thought that that's like actually how lemmings acted. But finally, it comes like to light that that's not how lemmings act. They were being like hustled off of the cliff by like production. They killed all the lemmings. I don't know. Like, I, I I don't know. I mean, and when you say to me, Disney did that. 
Yeah. I'm like, of course they legit. did. <laughs> of course they did. Right. Right. So why wouldn't you believe this production would do it? Uh, 74 hours of footage shot over a period of four years. Yeah. That's why. That seems like care and okay. effort. That if we really wanted to hustle our way through a production and injure the animals, that would have taken six fucking months. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I still don't believe it. I Like I said, I am not saying that I think 40 cats died, but I think maybe one or two drowned and somebody made a cat limp around by hurting it. You know, and probably, we'll never know. It's yeah. too, it's too long. Everyone involved in this is, I, I don't want to say they're dead because that dates me in terrible ways that I yeah. am unwilling to reckon with, but <laughs> no one who was involved in this film or in the allegations is still in business anymore. Okay. So we'll never know. I just would also like to point out that it was 1989, it had barely been 50 years since World War II, and the enmity between Australia and Japan was always high. Okay. Okay. Make your own decisions. That's all we offer for <laughs> you here. But the movie itself is, I don't know, man. It's fine. It's great. I don't. I don't agree. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I hated it. <laughs> so, let's talk about Dudley Moore because, as our only actor here, you clearly have complaints. Whereas I thought he was really great with the voice roles of this mm-hmm. whole cast yeah. of characters. Here's here's the thing. I think I would have been okay with this if it was, like, I don't know, like, an interstitial in the middle of, like, an episode of Sesame Street. I could have handled this for, like, five minutes. Not a hundred and five minutes, Not a full-length movie minutes. (laughs) I I mean, it's, it's... Yeah, an hour and 15 minutes. Yeah, that's... So that's 75 minutes. At least an hour too long. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the first, God, 20 minutes of it is Milo and Otis becoming friends and playing on yeah. the farm. And then having multiple farmyard adventures <laughs> before Milo gets lost in the box. Maybe if it was serialized. Okay. As I like mean, an interstitial on another show. But if, it's it's not a full length. If we make TikToks out of this, is no, what Sarah is saying. I'm not saying TikToks. <laughs> you know how kids programming has like little side things a lot of the times, yes. right? That's what I'm saying. It should have been like that. I'm I'm standing by it. 
I okay. don't think this should have been a full-length movie. Well, I mean, it does lend itself fairly naturally to episodes. There are yeah. several farm episodes, and then there's the getting lost on the river episode, and then there's the coming out of the box episode, mm-hmm. and the bear episode. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. I, I... Yeah. And... The way that it was produced, I think, does indicate that they were just kind of creating scenarios mm-hmm. and seeing what they could get. Right. Because there are, I mean, at least two bear episodes. There's mm-hmm. the one on the river where we fight, but there's also the one in the house where we do that drawer popping thing, which is, I have to say, at least somewhat in my favor in terms of there was some training going on here. That mm-hmm. drawer shit did not just mm-hmm. happen that way, or we'd still be there recording cats in <laughs> that dresser. I guess. I don't know. I just didn't, it's not, it didn't come across as like heavily like trained animals to me. And maybe that's the magic of it. Or not. Or not. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I did want to talk about, so it has an 80% Rotten Tomatoes rating. Yeah, but it's only out of 10 reviews. Okay, fine. It does have a 74% audience score, though. So, three out of four of us love this movie. And then there's one out of four of you curmudgeonly... Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. The budget for this, four years, long time, $800 million, well, million yen... I looked up the exchange rate, and I admit to not fully understanding this. I don't, I don't fully understand how exchange rates work because it's math <laughs> that is a little bit beyond me. Okay. The yen is worth like two American dollars now. In the nineteen eighties, it was worth. 80 cents of an American dollar. I'm not sure which is better, is what I'm saying. If you were to take your $1 and say, I would like the equivalent to this in yen, you're only getting 80 cents back. Okay. Right? So the 800 million yen that they spent in 1989 would have been equivalent to... About a billion dollars? Am I sure. is my math correct there? I think I don't know, man. I I purposely didn't take additional math classes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll take your word for it. Fine. We'll we'll pretend that's fine. I I know I have a, we have accountants and financial <laughs> people who listen, so you're all welcome to call and yell at me later. <laughs> And tell me how wrong my math is. But let's just go with that. Sure. $800 they spent on production. They made almost $10 billion on this movie. $10 billion? $10 
billion yen on oh this movie. It was, I can only say, a wild breakout success. I, I don't know, man. Maybe I'm just... I don't know. 1.3 million tickets sold in Germany and France. I don't get it. <laughs> Do you think... So I have a question, though. Okay. So this movie is uniquely... Um, what's the word? Uniquely able to be adapted to each language that it's released in. Yes. So do you think that has something to do with the fact that it was so successful internationally? Because a German version of this movie is essentially the exact same thing you're getting as an American version of this movie, right? You don't have to worry about weird, like, you know, dialogue not... Nope. uh, There's no weird dubbing. There's no any of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. You just have to get a new narrator and a decent translation. Right. And, like, again, it's not like you even have to find, like, um, enough voice actors or whatever to really do this. You just need, like, one decent narrator. Mm -hmm. And, like, how many book narrators could have done this? Right? Like, how many times have you read an audio book and they're able to, like, adjust... For different characters. Well, now, actually, we could have a whole fucking conversation about that because there are good oh, yeah, audio yeah. book right. readers and there are bad ones. Sure, absolutely. Right. But I'm saying it's not like that's a skill that's not no, in there existence are already. With, there are many people with this skill, yeah. probably in many industries mm-hmm. worldwide, who are mm-hmm. capable of reading this script doing the voices right probably some librarians too sure (laughs) kindergarten teachers exactly (laughs) um yeah so i'm wondering if that you know like it's when you're seeing a movie like this in germany it's almost as good as seeing a german production Mm -hmm. right i agree there's something and it was filmed all in japan Mm -hmm. which you can't tell. No, like with the um the scenery and stuff, it could be like any. It could be anywhere, and yeah. maybe the universality of it yeah. is what is indeed so appealing. Mm-hmm. And there's probably something to note there, right? That everybody loved it because. It reminded us all about our cats and dogs, mm-hmm. which are the same worldwide, mostly. <laughs> yeah. Mostly. Except what I, I always love that part of the Spanish textbook where it told you, like, what all the animals say in Spanish. Uh-huh. Like, instead of cock-a-doodle-doo, um, roosters say, ki carry ki or something like that, right? Okay. Like, because okay. it's just, you know, the the way that your language is interpreted right. how to, you know, assign a word to that sound. <laughs> I always thought that was funny. So animals don't sound the same everywhere, Brian. <laughs> so you're saying <laughs> Spanish cats don't meow? Yeah, no, they don't meow. Spanish cats say something else. Let's see. Sarah is currently Googling, what does a Spanish cat say? Yeah. And I think that that, like, wins Google for the day. 
<laughs> okay, well, so Spanish is not a great translation for this one because it's meow, but it's spelled, obviously, it's spelled it's, different. Uh, it's spelled different, but how is it spelled? M-I-A-U. M-I-A-U. Okay, here's one. In Japan, a sheep says Mimi. Mimi. A dog barks Wan Wan. I'm probably pronouncing those all completely wrong. Oh, I'm sure. Wrong. But, like, so just, so, like, I always thought that was funny. Like, I was like so. the dog still sounds the same in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't sound different. It's just the way different languages it's have. The, no, but this has been a delightful little side <laughs> path that we've taken to avoid meandering about this movie. Because there's nothing to talk about here is really the thing. Like... I, it was a delightful film for me and my small children and my big child, too. Not a child anymore. <laughs> they all enjoyed it. Sarah hated it. I did. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I see. I was right. It is key, Kiri key is how uh, a rooster see? crows. See, so much in. more exciting than <laughs> Milo and Otis. Sorry. I had to just... Make sure I wasn't crazy. <laughs> I just love it. Animal sounds in Spanish. Did you manage to get your child to watch this film? Nope. No? Okay. Nope. <laughs> he walked through and just didn't. Nope. nope. I'm nope. surprised, too, because he's, like, really big into cats. I mean, he has been for a while. We've talked about that, like, endlessly on this show. But, mm-hmm. yep. He is not feeling it, this one. So, clearly, the, the answer is force your children to watch lots of documentary-style <laughs> so programming. So they can appreciate this movie. So that they can appreciate this movie. <laughs> um, I don't like pugs. <laughs> okay. Tell me. Tell me. I, I'm... I am not a fan of the breeding of pugs. Right, yeah. I don't I... have any experience with an actual pug in real life. I don't like the way they look. <laughs> I My... hate their stupid faces. No, I'm just kidding. I, had... I don't like them. <laughs> My cousins had pugs and they were delightful. Yeah. I have a client with a pug who is also delightful. She, however, snores a lot. And I'm yes. like, well. And you can't. Okay course she does so uh, uh, if you are unfamiliar with pug breeding we're happy to take you down this rabbit hole this this episode too because I, any of the short um like squished dogs, dogs they've all been like <laughs> that's not what they look like <laughs> to have short snouts yeah and it's not natural do you can't take a, a dog like that. I may be wrong, but I am pretty sure you can't take a dog like that. They won't ship them via air. Like, you can't put one in a cargo hold on a plane. I don't because know if of, they have the sinus capacities right. to withstand the pressure change. I think that's something like that for it. Like, that's the reason. 
do do you know if pugs can be born naturally? I mean, it, obviously I don't know. I mean, I know what is it? Here bulldogs this... can't, right? Right. English bulldogs have to be born I by wouldn't... cesarean. So I think that's more just because of the body shape that we've like given to the bulldog, whereas mm-hmm. like a pug is still fairly dog shaped, right? Like right. It's a pug still... and like a shit zoo, and they're all kind of along the same lines in that shape, right? But their poor nosies mm-hmm. are all smushed up against their their mm-hmm. skulls, and they can't breathe. Mm-hmm. Like, if you listen to them, they're always very labored with their breathing. Mm-hmm. I, I can't... It breaks my heart yeah. for the dog. Like, it yeah. feels crazy cruel yeah. to, to continue to breed animals because of the way that they look while knowing that we are giving them long-term mm-hmm. physical deformities and don't care because they're cute. I know in some dog breeds there's now movements to try to breed them back to like what the breed originally looked like before we started like you know, selectively breeding them mm-hmm. to be the ideal that we think that that animal should be. I find that interesting. That makes me think of the um, <laughs> the Russian wolf experiment where they uh-huh. made puppy wolves. Uh-huh. <laughs> I want a puppy wolf. Right. If, you, if you've never heard of it, there was this experiment in, like, Siberia where they started selectively breeding um, Siberian wolves. Like Arctic so. wolves or something like mm-hmm. that. And um, so the way they started was the ones that would come close to them naturally, they would breed those ones. And then, like, you know, as the animals got friendlier, they would continually pick the friendliest of the batch to, like, continue breeding. And over time, the, they became more dog-like. Like, they had, their ears went floppier. Their, like, noises they made changed um they like started to look different their color changed it's really interesting study. so basically what we're telling you is humans have really fucked up a lot of animals of <laughs> fucked up things to animals yeah and that's what you've learned this week see that's why i'm saying i think they hurt some animals when they made this movie <laughs> And again, whether you think they did or didn't, there's lots of places to make judgments there. Yeah. But definitely Puggles. Pork pug Beagles. <laughs> well, I think Puggles, Pug Beagles, that's, that's mm-hmm. I think, but they at least have the, they have yeah. a bit more of a snout, right? Well, so yeah, because they're bred with a beagle. Right, because a beagle has a beak yeah looks like a dog has a looks like a dog dog. has a long snout okay we already know the answer to the were there enough songs for sarah in this movie (laughs) she didn't even make it to the songs so it's cool (laughs) there were not enough songs for sarah there was an original featured song for this movie that I I don't know. I feel like the American version bastardized 
the music from where is it aha to kill a mockingbird so that's fun i don't know (laughs) is it instrumental or was it yeah and and also because we got to kill a mockingbird and and john williams score to the wist the witches of eastwick okay what, I, like, so that's documented that they, like, bastardized those, or is that yes, what it the, sounded like Yes, the musical like score for this is on Wikipedia, okay. you know, bastion of knowledge here, Wikipedia. The musical score for the English language co- version was composed by Michael Boddicker. Music was borrowed from Elmer Bernstein's To Kill a Mockingbird and John Williams' The Witches of Eastwick. Like, borrowed with permission (laughs) apparently i mean i assume we're crediting them here yeah that's weird there's a song called walk outside which was performed in the opening shots and in credits and then they used a bunch of classical uh chabert Mm -hmm. debussy chopin yeah Lots of music, but none that Sarah cared about, clearly. Well, I don't dislike classical music. I just dislike this movie. You just dislike this movie. It's fine. It's fine. (laughs) Not all things are for all people. That's true. You're right. Okay. Um, It was debuted in 1986 at the Cannes Film Festival. Was it debuted as the Japanese version? As the Japanese version. Okay. It was the number one Japanese film on the domestic market in 1986. And at that time, it was the third highest grossing film ever in Japan, beaten only by E.T. in 1982 and Antarctica in 1983. I don't know anything about Antarctica. I don't either. That's not a movie. I'm going to click on it. It's a Japanese film Okay. about... Antarctica. So, I mean, legit. (laughs) There are dogs in it. Okay. It's South Pole. It's about the dogs, apparently. Okay. The Japanese liked animal movies. Apparently. And an alien movie. Well... Now, let's be clear, though. There's something very animal-like about <laughs> E.T. And... Okay. Other than that, show this to any kid if you think they can withstand the boredom of it. <laughs> like... Yeah, I mean... Are there any... age restrictions here? Are the birthing scenes inappropriate for anyone? Probably not. No. I mean, it's just nature documentary. It's a nature documentary. (laughs) Boring. (laughs) All right. All right. So out of five, then you got to give me your rating for this. I'm rating this a zero. I don't think in the history of the show. Because we didn't actually rate Happy Feet, but I would put this on a level with Happy Feet in terms of if I'm looking at it is if this was the movie my kid wanted to watch endlessly, how would I feel about it? I would hate it. 
hate it. You would hate this movie as much as Happy Feet? Yes. Mm-hmm. I can't. I hate it. I'm, I really I, hate You're it. allowed. I just, <laughs> I can't, I can't even on any level compare this movie to the badness. I know, but is... I hate it for different reasons. I know, I know. Like, I hate this movie because I, f- I feel like it's just pure, like, torture. Whereas I hate the message and the way they teach it in Happy Feet. I mean, there are many things to hate about that movie. (laughs) We could do that whole review all over again in the ways that I hated Happy Feet. But we'll we'll stop. (laughs) Stop. So zero for Sarah. Like, the scale is, y'all. How willing are you to watch this one over and over and over if the kid made this their movie and I, I don't know that I could do it a lot. <laughs> I, I was certainly happy to watch it this time. My kids liked it, but like three and a half stars. Okay. If this became the fan favorite, I do not think that I would be pleased, frankly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I would be very dissatisfied if any one of my children decided, hey, this is the movie I'm going to watch over and over. Mm-hmm. I, I quite can see myself going, are you sure there's this other movie or this one over here? Right. Or, God, we could talk about Bruno for all I care, but... <laughs> literally anything else. Literally anything. <laughs> Except for Happy Feet. I, they're on the same level for me. Three and a half. Okay. I think that's your prerogative. So, this is our last dog film, yes? Is it? Yes. Really? What are we recording next? We are moving on to the Disney... Pandemic series. I forgot. Right, because we're doing shorter series this time around. Because we just really, we did ourselves a huge disservice last (laughs) Listen, the forgotten (laughs) classics were so long, y'all. I'd love to forget it. I really would love to forget it. And we didn't even get them all, but we just, we could not go any farther on those, no. We're starting the Disney pandemic series. We'll let you know what's going to be in that series. <laughs> and it will start with Onward. Onward. Yeah. That was the first. Yeah. All right. If you would like to argue with us about, you know, what. Pixar movie did or did not get to go to the theater or how we've mispronounced Japanese words or potentially what we got wrong in this episode, we encourage you to find us at Latchkey Movies on Facebook and Instagram. You can email us, latchkeymovies at gmail.com. You can give us a call, 402-885-4875, and we will talk to you next time.